When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thank you for downloading the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside a stellar cast for the entire week as we preview racing's duel in Britain's crown. Royal Ascot, which for the first time will be joined by racing's biggest broadcaster, Sky Sports Racing. The biggest sports brand in the world have got it. All five days, every single race. And my Sky Sports Racing colleague will be there for all five of them. Peter T. Fornatel, the Final Furlong Podcast international racing expert. Welcome back to the show, my friend. It's a pleasure, as always, especially ahead of a meeting like this. I've been a couple of times before. I've never been working as much as I'm going to be working this time around. But for me, it just adds to the excitement. I'm really looking forward to get stuck in for the five days and talking about a couple of them with you over the course of the next couple hours. And the great thing is you're not just an American racing expert who can break down the Wesley Ward form for us and tell us who the best of these juveniles are. You actually know your stuff when it comes to Irish, UK, European, Australasian, Asian form. You're even looking at the virtual racing for us as well from time to time. It's fantastic to have you on the show again, my friend. And you're going to be with us for day three as well. So looking forward to that. I'm also joined by the man who got the Aidan O'Brien scoop, an in-depth stable tour with Aidan O'Brien, which you can only get on attheraces.com. My good friend and another man who shall be there for all five days, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Welcome back, my friend. The Kevin Blake premium Premium advisory weather service update for Royal Ascot, free for our listeners, please. Um, yeah, look, it's wet around Ascot at the minute. They had a, they've had the bones of three inches in the past week, which is an awful lot of rain. Um, they're expecting a bit more today, I believe. It's largely warmer and drier, certainly in the first half of next week. And um, sure, I wouldn't even Kevin Blake's weather advisory service wouldn't dare go further than a week into the future. Um, so it's good to soft. Um, it was good to soft when we got our last update yesterday. The thing about Ascot is that the straight course, especially, uh, dries out really quick. So I still I would be far from uh, jumping to a conclusion that there's going to be ease in the ground. I would suspect it to be at least good, um, if not firmer, by the time we get to Tuesday. Um, though we are at the mercy a little bit of, of the weather gods, but that's the way I'm weighing it up at the minute. Thank you, Kevin Blake, for the premium weather advisory service. It is always golden information, and you can also access that for £100 per minute. Check out Kevin's Twitter throughout the week to get that golden info. Uh, Ascot was founded in 1711 by Queen Anne, so the opening meeting, uh, opening race of the Royal Meeting, uh, which started back in 1911, is run in Queen Anne's honour. A group one over a mile. Le Bravido having his third outing for Aidan O'Brien is your favourite. Mustachery is second favourite, despite the fact that he beat him in the lockage last time out. And we've got the former stallion, Royal Ascot winner, and now back to being a racehorse, Barney Roy in there as well at sevens alongside the very, very talented uh, Lawrence for Carl Burke and PJ McDonald. Kevin, I'll start with you. I was very, very keen on Lebrevito for this race for quite some time. Disappointed with him in the lockage, but the more I look at that, the more I think Aiden doesn't really have a great record in the lockage, aside from Rhododendron and from Hawkwing. He kind of uses that as a as a blueprint to step his horses forward, but the price is the problem. 
Yeah, he's short enough now. And look, when you look at the markers for the Queen Anne, it's clear that the lock-in is a really important piece of form with a view to it. And, you know, you can watch that race a lot and you can draw different things from it. You know, one thing we can probably all agree on is Mustastri was probably maximised on the day. You know, things went perfectly for him. He was in a lovely spot. He's a horse that stays well. You know, got into the clear when he needed to, and was ultimately very powerful inside the final furlong and, and won very well. You know, if we if you knew nothing nothing else about Mustache and watched that race, you'd say, "Oh, he'll beat them every day of the week." Um, but we we know a bit more about Mustache, and that was you know a career best. You can frame it in the context of it, you know, him being a typical Sir Michael Stout slow burner that is now fulfilling his previous promise. Uh, and that that's a possibility, but it should look like we we often say in the podcast, you know, when a horse takes a step forward, uh, you like to see them repeat it before you fully buy into it. And for all that, there's no great reason to doubt what he did in the lock-in. There is reason to believe that a few of those behind him um, can potentially come forward. Um, Lawrence, you know, the case is obvious. She was a bit gassy on what, what was her season of reappearance. And she should come forward from it in, in conditioning terms. Um, accidental agent was given, you know, as, as clear a kind of a, a, a prep slash trial run as you'll see. He, he won the Queen Anne last year and clearly has been trained and campaigned with a view to for, with a view to peaking in the Queen Anne again. So in that context, he ran a lovely race. Um, the other night on, on ATR and the the Ascot the, the at the races Ascot preview, I was making a case for Romanized. Um, he's finished in front of Le Bravido, um and a couple of other very smart horses, despite not getting the clearest of runs. Um, he'd been very eye-catching on his seasonal return as well. Um, classic winner last year, hasn't perhaps reproduced that to, to the full extent since, but this has been his target. Um, I think uh, I was encouraged with, with him in both his starts this season in that he seems to be setting a little bit better and has seemed to have matured um, over the winter. And, you know, while... While you need a little bit of imagination to see him as the winner of this, you know, to me, it wouldn't be a shock at all. And, you know, the lock-ins run tells you that it shouldn't be It shouldn't be a shock to you if he was to run very well and maybe hit the frame. And he's the outsider of the whole field. He's 40 to 1 in a place, uh, you know, 10 times the price of Le Bravido, having finished in front of him in the lock-ins. And that's just too big a price. And uh, if you want to go fishy-fishy for a bit of value, that is the, the value in the race. Well, we had a big price winner last year. And uh, it is, Kevin, it's fair enough to say, because we don't still know if Libervito is the horse who won at Royal Ascot in the Jersey Stakes so impressively against the draw bias that day. That was the thing that was really impressive about him uh, when he got up to beat Spirit of Valor. We don't know if that's the same horse this time around. We're, we're playing guesswork there. Um, you make a very good point about Sir Michael Stout's horse. horse. Uh, Barney Roy did get beaten on his comeback. He's gone to France and won, but he scrambled home. You know, he's only just about done it. Is he really the horse that he was when he won the St. James's Palace Stakes uh, at Royal Ascot those years ago? This is this is a wide open division. Well, I'll tell you, on the front end of the market, Barney Roy is the one I'd like. Um, I, you know, Barney Roy, like I think he was a super three-year-old. I don't think we ever saw the very, very best of him, you know. Um, he, he didn't really handle the track uh, in the 2000 Guineas when he finished second to Churchill. Um, he went to Royal Ascot and was good in the St. James's Palace. But, you know, they were riding him. The thing about Barney Roy is, like, when you, when you, when you look at him and you break him down, um, like, he, he's got a, a massive stride. You know, that's always been the, the key to him. But he was quite free-going in the early part of his life, and they used to ride him to relax him. Um, which which meant covering him up and trying to deliver him late and and they did that in the St James's Palace and he won but I, I don't think it showed him the best effect then they stepped him up and trip and he did very well but again I I never saw him as a ten furlong horse and I don't think the way they had to ride him over that trip really showed him the best effect so he's there's a fair bit of water under the bridge since now he's gone to stud infertile. Um, he had to come back from an injury first of all that 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 finished his racing career. Um, he's been gelded, um, and look, there there would have there wouldn't have been any big pressure with Barney Roy to have him bang on for his return to action. He, he ran a lovely race behind Zaki um, over this course and distance. Came out and won at Longchamp. You know, a listed race 
really needed to win it if he had any aspirations to be a Group 1 horse. But considering he was totally bottled up until inside the final furlong, I thought he did really well to win because that wouldn't be mm. the set of circumstances that would show Barney Roy to best effect. And I think a mile at Ascot, strongly run, ridden reasonably prominently, being able to use that big stride of his, I think that those are the set of circumstances that will give us a very good answer as to how much ability Barney Roy retains. And if the answer is all or close to all of his ability, you know, I think he can make be a big, big factor in, like you say, which is a pretty wide open division. Uh, and uh, off the front end of the market, he'd be my selection with, with Roman Ice being the, the scumbaggy each way uh, value sort of alternative. Okay, so Bernie Roy is 7-1. to one. Um, You make a very good point. I'd say the Hannon team are sick they didn't get him back, but he's Charlie Appleby's now, and um, we'll see how he does at the weekend. James Doyle will take the ride. Uh, unfortunately, William Buick has been sidelined from Royal Ascot entirely, uh, but we do have Kieran McAvoy, formerly of uh, racing in, in the UK for Godolphin, and now racing for them in Australia, coming back to represent them at Royal Ascot throughout the week, and that's going to be exciting and interesting. We'll see how that plays out, but it's Romanized for you. You're keeping the faith with Ken Condon's horse. 40 to 1 is available with Bet365 as I look on at theraces.com. You can, general price is 33s. Having swung for the fences early on, no pressure on you, Peter T. Fornatel. How do you break down this race? Who are you going for in the Queen Anne? I was very much torn between Mustashri and Barney Roy. I mean, Kevin made most of the salient points. We have very similar notes on Mustashri. I was just taking maybe a little bit the opposite view that this is a stout horse that's gotten good. And with my little bit of an outsider perspective, I just feel like a repeat of that last race. While I understand there's a danger of regressing to the mean, but I feel like a repeat of that last race would get the job done. And for me, the price was square enough. But when I look at everything in this race, the best form I'm seeing is that Barney Roy three-year-old form. And I can absolutely excuse the the visual not brilliance of the last race, given everything that had to be overcome there. I'm really torn between those two. And I think after hearing Kevin's analysis, if you made me pick one, I'd go with Barney. But in real life, my move here is going to be to wait till very late to have a bet, see if anything strange happens in the market, get eyes on the both of them right before the race and and see if my uh, see if I get a strong opinion one way or another to have a bet and of course I mean I think Kevin makes a very clever case for the for the 40 to one shot as well for USA players participating in exotics pools uh, Romanized is one that's got to be included at least underneath and you make a fair point Peter because if if Mustachery comes out to wins this you know going off a bigger price than a couple of those that finished in front that finished behind him at Newbury, which could well happen. You know, everyone's going to be kind of slapping themselves in the face going, how do we let that happen? Because <laughs> like, like we've said, there's no real reason to doubt what he did at Newbury. You can make case for, for those in behind perhaps coming forward, but like he, he's ultimately smashed them up good and fairly comprehensively, hasn't he? And, yeah. and if he repeats that, he, he, he's, he's got to be bang there. It's a strong race on the clock too, which is another thing from my USA perspective that always uh, resonates. What did you oh, make? Yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't like those clocks in this part, in this part of the world, Peter. <laughs> Having, we've, clocks. Uh, uh, the, the, only, the only people time matters to is when, you're, when those that are in prison, isn't it? <laughs> Simon Rowan's head is exploding. Right? Oh, not only that, seeing as um, some loyal listeners we, tweeted Simon saying, hey, the lads in the final furlong are, are backing you to the hilt and they're making the case for you. He's like, oh, that's great. You know, looking forward to being back on the show again. And then Kevin flip-flops. Goes, ah, sectional <laughs> yeah, times. Too, 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 too complicated for my simple mind, that's oh, for sure. Listen, <laughs> it's... What, what are you doing? Pushing the racing fans away in droves is all you're doing. Sure, it's too complicated, all this maths fair, for them. Fair, Slow, fast, oh, ridiculous nonsense. The amount uh, of time it takes to get to point A to point B. Just slow down. Jesus, I mean, it's not like we... It's not like we were learning that when we were five in, in school. <laughs> Christ almighty. Bring in sectional times and honour your promise, sis, in Irish racing. Uh, right, so it's a very strong case from the both of you then for, for Barney Roy. Kevin, can I just briefly touch on Librevito because the bookmakers PR reps have been making the case that they're they're terrified Kevin they're they're running scared of Aidan O'Brien on day one that they could be bowled over could you see Librevito taking the necessary step forward to go and win this race yeah sure, the case is there look he's shaped quite a bit better than the bare form in both his starts um, look things didn't go right for him in a lock in at all he was 
he you know he's, he's missed the kick again that's a concern you don't want to do that he wasn't quite as bad as he was in the season of return but he he, he missed it by a few lengths and um you know he, he was looking to commence his run and he's run up an absolute dead end two furlongs out he's he's still last a furlong and a half out and he's, he's finished off well look the promise is there but look as pete says it was a well-run race you know he was making what could be uh, what, what could be described as relatively cheap late gains. Um, so, look, he's four lengths. He's beaten four lengths. Four lengths is a long way. Mm. There's clearly a case for him being better than that. But, um, oh, yeah, you'd be brave and you'd be braver than me uh, supporting him as as Fav. You know, it wouldn't be a shock if he goes and does it. But um, Everton has its price, and uh, Leperavito at kind of four to one. Um, I'd be happy to watch him go and win at that without any without any uh, burden from me on his back. It's it's the price that's the problem. I really like the horse. He only had six hundred and one run in six hundred and sixty one days from that fantastic performance at Royal Ascot again against the pace bias uh, and against the draw bias. But it's the price. The price is all wrong. Uh, speaking of that man, Aidan O'Brien, he surprisingly shock horror for a man who has uh, an outstanding record in the Coventry Stakes has the favourite for this race as well. Uh, we learned from Kevin that it wouldn't be. Uh, Monarch of Egypt, the first winning son of the outstanding American pharaoh for Coolmore uh, to run at Royal Ascot. He is out. Arizona takes his place. He was very, very good last time out, but a horse who blitzed them only at the weekend. And I'm pleasantly surprised to see that he's been declared with Sylvester D'Souza to ride is Visionari, who absolutely bolted up at Newmarket just at the weekend uh, the plan now seems to be that Mark Johnston is going to indeed run him there's also a threat for Richard Hannon obviously stable with a tr- fantastic record in the race as well he's anywhere from 7 to 5 to 1 uh, you can see all the prices on at the races Sunday Sovereign at 10 to 1 shot very interesting as well Kevin we'll lead off with you again my friend Arizona is the representative the main representative for Aidan O'Brien and that does make sense I think at, at this stage now he's he's got the experience um, he absolutely destroyed his opposition last time out, but again, he's a short price. Yeah, and just a, a quick general comment at the top of this about Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds. I'm, I'm going to run the numbers on it there for um, for my column there later in the week, but statistically, I, I suspect Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds are just much, much more forward this season than they were last season. He's having quite a few that are making winning debuts. He's getting a lot of them out, I, I would suspect. And again, the, the, my impression may be wrong, but I'd be, I'd be fairly surprised if it was, that he, he's just getting way more two-year-olds out than he was pre-Ascot, certainly last season. And, you know, I remember going into Ascot last season, we were quite concerned that uh, a few of his lacked experience and lacked know-how going in. But that wouldn't be as big a concern for me this time round. And um, Arizona, look, made a, made a lovely debut behind Sunday Sovereign, who's come out and, and doubled his tally since and, and has Ascot bound himself for Paddy Toomey. Um, but he, he went back to the car then on Guinea's weekend and absolutely bolted up uh, by eight, just the eight lengths. Um, was, was very impressive, looked at straightforward, um, very much knew his job, showed a good turn of foot, good and strong in the final of Furlong. And ticked every box. You know, the ground was was quite quick there. Had no problem with it. Um, so it's it's easy to understand why he's the fav. And we expect Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds to to progress run to run. And hopes would be fairly high and clear that he would improve again from what he did there, which he need to do. But um, he's he's probably the right fav. But as always, look, this is the Coventry is just always a fabulous race. And I'd be more than happy to to pick out two or three even here that I'd be very interested in if they get declared okay um what is your your three horse shortlist kev uh let me see as i flick down through them here i would definitely give a shout out to if i get my pronunciation right um minoski i'd go with that um mark johnson might not be pronouncing that right but you, you'll get the idea um he was second first time out in what's proving to be one one of the hottest uh, novice races in Britain thus far this season at York. He was second to Bombproof, who I'll be giving a, giving a mention to on our one of our subsequent previews with a view to the Norfolk uh, or the Windsor Castle. I think he's a proper horse. And uh, Minoski finished second to him first time out and um, and made the run in that day. Look at the, on the clock that this race jumps off the page. 
it was very quick um, overall and closing sectionals. And Minoski was bang up there all the way. A little bit green under pressure, um, but kept on well for second. Uh, Formidus has been working out very well. Summer Sands finished third. He came out and won a Beverly at the weekend. Uh, Sun Power was a, was for, was quite a way back in fifth. He came out and won his next start. It looked strong form. And uh, Minoski did, did his bit for it as well by coming out of Pontefract in a in a valuable race. And he beat a horse called Show Me, Show Me, who won the Brocklesby. Uh, smashed him by six lengths, um, receiving three pounds from him, but absolutely smashed him. Showed loads of speed and was very strong in the final furlong. Um, it, it was very likable. And I'm surprised he's the sort of price he is. Um, the horse you mentioned there... Um, Visionary seems to have been, you know, has, seems to have leapfrogged Minoski in the market in terms of Mark Johnson's main hope. But um, I wouldn't be sleeping on on Minoski now. Uh, I don't know if if it, they have him in mind for a different race or what. Like he's twenty to one. Um, that seems bananas to me. Um, like he's. I don't know. It, it it'd be it would seem a bit mad to me. Well, I'm sure he'd have to pace the drop back for uh, dropping back in trip if they wanted to. But um, the Coventry would look the the target to me. But we'll hold, maybe hold your bets until decks because if he if he's decked up, you know, twenties would look uh, a, a wild price in my book. Uh, and let's see what else I had picked out there. Do 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 do. Um, Visionary that you mentioned we, we better talk about him he won the same maiden that Calix won yes. last year prior to winning the Coventry he was and, uh, you could argue Kev he was even more impressive than Calix yeah he was very good he was a, a little bit like Minoski like he clearly knew his job really well um, notably quick out of the stalls um, dictated the pace a little bit green under pressure but very strong inside the final furlong um, typical Mark Johnson horse this in terms of profile um, plenty of pedigree to back him up by Dark Angel uh, from a good family but didn't cost nearly as much as one would expect with, with that sort of credentials he cost 55 grand you know Mark will buy and you'll, you'll see if you follow the Mark Johnson stable you will see horses like this constantly horses that didn't cost the fortune considering their page um, generally there's reason why there was some you know, maybe they aren't, don't have the best confirmation. Maybe there's a veterinary issue that Mark is willing to take a chance on that others aren't. But he he puts plenty of them through his hands. But time and time again, he'll he'll hit on race horses, and um, they might tick every box uh, for for the bloodstock agents of the world. But they're race horses, and this fella looks to be a very very good example of that. Um, so I'd have to give him a big shout again. Very strong in the clock there. Um, very much ticked that particular box. Um, I'm sure I could mention a few others, but I don't want to overload everyone. You know, those would be kind of the, the main three. If Siskin turned up, I'd give him a great shout. But I just, I get the impression from Ger Lines he doesn't really want to run him. I get the impression um, from Ger Lines he has absolutely no interest in having a runner in the UK anymore. Well, it's not so much the UK, but I, I internationally think, um, even. I, I think he just like, have you have you seen the interviews with him recently and and read interviews with him lately? Like he he came out with a to be fair, this was an interview he did with Sunday. He he said that he burnt himself out by the time winter came along and he just wasn't right. And he says he'll never do that to himself again. And he was asked previous to that about running at Royal Ascot and targeting horses in in the UK, and he said, "Why do that when I could." run very well in the railway stakes and get the same prize money yeah and i think and i remember actually um after after peace charter one first time out um I, I thought he was very impressive up in day so i was up there and i happened to be passing by jar um after the race and i said something along the lines of you'll have to dust off your old top half with him now and he said no oh, you wait and see you wait and see <laughs> Um, <laughs> insinuating that he, he wouldn't, he tried not to run him. And I'd say Siskin might be the same. I'd say he preferred to run him in the railway, but, um, you know, trainers don't always get their way and, and Judmont may well be keen to run. So we'll wait and see. And it's a funny, it's a funny stance because, you know, Jar has had um, a winning two-year-old at Royal Ascot before. Yeah. Pop quiz, who was it? Oh, okay. I, I can't remember. 12 years ago. It was a good while ago. I remember his most recent trip, it didn't go quite well, and I think that might be why he's disheartened. Uh, you, you he had a big team. This, Kennedy, you should remember this, Kennedy, because it, it segues us into an Aidan O'Brien oh, uh, uh, avenue. 
Um, she was. It was t- the 2017, uh, 2017, 2007 Queen Mary, El Tell. And El Tell went on to be the dam of Adelaide. Ah, oh, don't care. Um, before she, she, um, she, she prematurely died. I think oh, she, God, she was only, she was only, she was only eight when she died. Ah, oh, that's not. Um, nice. so a real loss as a broodmare. But, uh, but there we go. So I, I don't know why. But I think Jared, look, and it's a fair point. You know, Ascot is a very tough place for a two-year-old. Um, you know, especially if you're training them with, with a view to the long game. Um, you know the ground can be very quick there uh, for the likes of for Irish horses they have to obviously travel over which most of them won't have done at that stage in their career um, it's tough it's tough the rewards are great but the risks are great too so mm. uh, when you have a, a real good race like the railway um, just over a week later it's understandable why he, he might want to hold on until then but we'll wait and see he'd be fascinating if he turned up I really liked him both his starts I think he's, he's potentially very good um, but I just w- would um pass on that that word of caution for anti-post punters that maybe hold fire until declarations if you fancy Siskin. Yeah, and for any Sherlines horse that, you, that you're fancying, just just brace yourself just a little bit. Just be proceed with caution. Make sure you're getting none or no bet. be great to see the horse in the lineup. He looks very exciting, but I would have my doubts about him. Um, your take on the Coventry, my friend, Peter T. Fornatel. You've talked about the two that I wanted to talk about. And in oh, both, no. <laughs> well, but in both instances, I had questions, and I think we can further the conversation. I mean, Vicinari looked like a superstar the other day. You mentioned the strong time. It was actually a faster time than Flavius Titus, who's, you know, an established four-year-old sprinter, yeah. came home faster too despite looking a little green as you point out still the clock liked the way that that the horse finished up so i was extremely interested there though i did want to ask specifically about his physicality he didn't necessarily look like a a particularly uh big strong two-year-old looked like one for whom the turnaround might be a little bit of a concern and there were also i thought i had heard that there were comments in the post-race interview that they weren't going to be going to ask it and yet here he is in the entries how much of a concern is that in terms of the 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 quick turnaround and the specifics of his uh physical body for making this trip on talent i think i almost have to bet anyway but i just wanted to get a view from you on that stuff kevin yeah it's a concern like they did mention the july meeting it they'd be talking about the the july stakes i assume it's it's six fired on group two um, which would give them more time. Um, I don't know much about the owner. Uh, I, 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 from what I can gather, this might be the first horse he's had in, in his own um, in his own name. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not ideal. You know, Calix showed that it, it it can be done. As a great man once said, I would do it hey. last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a concern. You'd much rather you know there be a three week gap and. You know, as mentioned, that there may or may not be some. There may, you know, he might not be the the best conformed horse in the world. Maybe I don't know. I'm completely speculating with that. But, um, you know, the yearling market is very efficient, and if they're not making what papers suggest they should, there's always a a, a reason why. Um, so it's not ideal, but like you say, he they've left the, they've left him in here at the six day stage. So, so we, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see. I, I'd be, I'd be very much keen to follow him wherever he goes. Um, but you, you're dead right, Peter. If he does turn up here, it does present a small bit of a conundrum, even if you're a big, big fan of the horse. I think, but it's, I think, I think it's a, an interesting one in the sense that they pretty much did confirm that they were going to go to the July stakes, um, that, that they were going to go to new market, that he needed time. And yet Sylvester D'Souza is jocked up and they want to run him and he's understandably, I mean, if he runs, he goes off favorite on the back of what he did, I would think, unless there's an avalanche of money from Coolmore for Arizona. Um, in terms of the owner, I think Rob Ferguson has only got one other horse in training. Um, so it's, it's interesting that they're, they look as though they're going to roll the dice. Um, Kev, you were talking about the fact that Mark Johnson seems to be able to get it right where others don't, where the market tends to shun horses he gets the best example of that as attraction and it's not as visible an issue here but that would mean that i wouldn't be concerned about his confirmation but it's a very interesting point that you make peter that if he's not quite as precocious as you would like or not quite as well built that he could be a bounce factor horse that would be the thing that would worry me 
Well, like in terms of just the confirmation stuff, you know, it, there's there's a reason why horses that don't have perfect confirmation don't make as much money as those that do. You know, it tends to if you're not if 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 you're not well conformed, it tends to make make the horse more vulnerable to problems. Um, so you know, and and it, it's a factor. You know, sometimes with horses, you'd rather a horse be close to uh, you know you'd like them to be as well conformed as you can if you're going to be doing things like this you know what i mean mm. it, it's it's it, it tends to poor confirmation tends to it doesn't always but tends to uh, be correlated with um less robustness and um you, you need to be robust if you're going to back up within 10 days after your debut to go to royal ascot so um that that's what i meant by that but again you know not every horse is the same clearly and some horses are capable of doing these things, but it's it has to be something you consider, I think. Arizona and his confirmation, like that's not a, an issue for you at all. He looks like a fine, proper son of no name ever. Um, yeah, no, no reason to have any concerns there. He made his he made his money as a yearling. <laughs> yes, and then those those lads don't um, don't take too many chances at the yearling sales. Even um, on so, TV, yeah. you can see though Arizona comparatively a big imposing oh. type as. As to uh, yeah. as opposed to to Visinari. I think that uh, that that seems pretty clear. Kev, could you compare Visinari to Calix? So, if we're going to compare the time of his run at Newmarket and the fact that it was the same race, how would he compare physically? Um, well, I wouldn't like to be comparing times a year apart um, for one, but like physically, Calix like it isn't the, a great mover at all, really. Um, you know, which again is the the exception uh, to to the kind of the general. And the generalization I threw out there, like he wouldn't, I, I'm pretty sure if you listen back to, to last year's podcast, I was probably expressing concerns about Calix backing up quickly. You were. Um, so, you know, it shows that, you know, these things, that there isn't a hard and fast rule here, but um, Calix, you know, and perhaps Calix, you know, a little bit like his father, Kingman, like he's he was not the best mover. And he had problems after Ascot and he's had problems again now. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that these horses that aren't uh, that aren't the most that are, are rough movers and um, th- that aren't very symmetrical in their action that they tend to throw up problems um, and Calix you know while he showed that uh, he was able to back up quickly um, he perhaps paid the price for it later on yeah I, so I wonder Kev because that's exactly what I was just going to say I wonder if with the benefit of hindsight when they really think about this and it starts to come to Ascot will they go yeah, they're making comparisons to Calix and look how that worked out. Like, he was brilliant at Royal Ascot, but since? You know, he missed his entire two-year-old campaign afterwards. He's going to miss Royal Ascot again this year. He's been beaten by, by a horse he should be beating by laps. Um, uh, things aren't right with him, and maybe they'll decide, no, we actually will wait until the new market. Yeah, and, and to be fair with, with Visionary, like, there's not, like, his, he certainly has a cleaner action than Calix does. Um, you know, I haven't seen the horse physically to have an indication of, of why he didn't make the price he should have. Um, and maybe it's not something that could be seen to the, to the naked eye. Maybe it was something that popped up in x-rays um, or other veterinary issues, you know, that, that can often be there can often be something there in the x-rays that puts people off um, that wouldn't be evident to the, the naked eye. Um, so you just don't know. Again, it's 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 very much speculation, but um, you can be sure there was a reason why. He, he didn't get the sort of price that his pedigree uh, suggests. Like, like, I think Dark Angel's average last year was something like 150 grand, uh, and this fella made 55 or something like that. So um, there tends to be there tends to be good reason why they come in a, a third of the average. Okay, Peter, the other horses that you were interested in? I wanted to mention Siskin, but you guys seem to think he's not going to be turning up. If he were to... I mean, just based on the sectional upgrade, the visual impression of that last race, I'd have to include. But I did want to ask on on my podcast, the In the Money Players podcast, one of the things we always talk about as a big negative is when the owner picks the spot as opposed to the trainer. It sounds like if Siskin does turn up here, it would be a clear case of owner picking the spot. Is that not as bad over there in general? Is that not as bad when it's Judmont making the calls? I just wanted a quick word on that from you. No, you're dead right, and, and, and it would be a, a well, I don't want to say a common thing, but it's certainly a, it's certainly a thing. It happens, um, and I I fully agree with you. You know, you'd you'd much rather these things be left to the trainer, 
but um, the owners pay the bills and they're fully entitled to give a steer if they want to. And sometimes they get they get it one hundred percent right, but generally in the main, as a as a general comment, I think the the decisions made by the trainer tends to be the the most informed one. But um, but but yeah, there you go. And uh, the sectional, I'd have to leave in anyway, but it but it is something to consider. Any other horse that you're interested in? I wanted to just mention Sunday Sovereign. Is Sunday Sovereign looking to turn up here? Just the basic idea of having the win on the book over Arizona and looking good since. And I'm just, I'm not hearing much. So seem like one who might be under the radar, who just makes sense from a nuts and bolts form study perspective. I'm thinking he might go Norfolk um, rather than here. Okay. You've done a stable um, tour I, with Paddy as well, Kev. So you'd have a, a yeah, better insight. That, that was that was that was prior to Tipperary now, mind. But um, he, he's entered him. He's entered. He's going to enter him basically all the two-year-old races. Um, but I think Norfolk. With the last I heard, um, Norfolk seemed to be the inclination. He, he he's entered the Windsor Castle. He's entered in the Coventry. Um, so he'll go, I suspect. But uh, the, the Norfolk is probably five at the minute. Okay, by a Royal Ascot winner in Equiano, of course. Uh, big sprint winner for Spain back in the day. Um, is that your list, Peter? And if so, who's at the top of it? Oh, it's it's a tough one to have the feet put to the fire on. But, uh, it, and there's more, I mean, you, this is a race you could talk through. You could talk through half the field. But I think, gun to the head from here, I'm going to fade the narrative and just go with the hard data points on Vicinari and hope that the, the talent that was shown the other day comes back here. But, uh, but I'm going to be flexible and I'm going to allow the real-time information to inform the final decision. But from this far out, it's Vicinari for me. If Vicinari runs, I think he'll take all the beating. And he should be favorite if he runs. That was stunning what he did at Newmarket. Uh, but Kevin Blake, can I put to you very quickly a horse at a pretty decent price, 16 to 1, Fort Myers. He came up short last time out at Newbury, but he got bumped that day. There was a stewards inquiry. Um, he was never likely to get the race, but he will have added to his experience there. And he's a war front. Aidan O'Brien won this race in 2013 with war command. Um, could he take the necessary step forward? Uh, potentially, yeah. I, I, I would quite like the horse that beat him that day as well, Temple of Heaven. Mm. Um, he's he's very very promising, and he would have been on my my long list for sure. Um, I'd I'd favour him, I think, just about over Fort Myers to confirm that form. But um, you know, with Aidan O'Brien, two year olds, uh, you can you you never quite know how much of a chunk they're going to step forward from under run. True enough, um, Visionary, I think so for for Peter and I. If he does turn up, Kevin, finally, you're a number one selection for the race. Um, God, I'd love to see Minoski run here uh, at the price he is, and he'd do for me. Minoski for Kevin Blake. Uh, will do for Royal Ascot for the Coventry uh, to create an upset for the Mark Johnston team. Um, I'll weigh in with Fort Myers. Uh, and there's obviously a reverse forecast and tricast that can be done there as well, of course. We're on to the Kingstand Stakes live on Sky Sports Racing. The betting on attheraces.com currently sees last year's horse beaten favours. Batash, who came back with a bang, your nine to four favorite with one firm general two to one. Blue Point, the winner last year, three to one general. Sergei Prokofiev is shortening to a mad price, six to one, eight to one in places. Mabs Cross, nines, and then we've got Soldier's Call and the rest at double figure prices. It was a brilliant clash last year, Kevin Blake, between these two. A lot of people seem to think it's a clash again. I'm not that convinced by that i wouldn't be so quick to dismiss maps cross and certainly not sergey prokofiev um i'll be as succinct as i can here now because I, I think i did a bit of a uh, a supreme novice's hurdle effort on the coventry there and we're, we're running a little bit late so i'll be uh, i'll be succinct here um like the the way you know to, to weigh up this race i think is um batash is almost certainly a better horse than blue point um, but this set of circumstances, a, a stiff five furlongs at Ascot, um, probably is is more suitable to Blue Point than Batash. But even on a day where everything went right for Blue Point and Batash, an awful lot went wrong for Blue Point was only a little bit better than Batash last year. Um, the hope is that Batash has just turned the corner a little bit in terms of his temperament and, and his reliability. Um, he did everything right at Haydock. He behaved himself very well. And through the race, he, he consented to 
uh, I wouldn't say be restrained, but somewhat he, he, he allowed himself to be restrained, which is different to the, what was the case last year. Like in the race last year, Batash led Lady Aurelia and Catchy, who would be two of the fastest early pace horses in the world at the time, I think it's fair to say. Um, and he led them and he just paid the price for it late on. Blue Point nabbed them. They kind of know the crack here. And they'll want to, they'll want something to give him a lead, and uh, and just not quite be as aggressive with him in the first part of the race. And I, I I've been narrowly favouring Batash. Um, I'd agree with you, Sergey Prokofiev is a, is a mad old price now. He's never, never. He, he may well have the potential to do so, but he's never done anything uh, approaching the 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 level um, that Batash and Blue Point have shown thus far. So um, I wouldn't be keen on him. But Patash for me, um, but it, it should be a fabulous race. If Sergei, Sergei Prokofiev was available at 10 to 1, then I'd happily put him forward. But it's not. It's all gone. So unless that's available on the day, then then fair enough. I, he did sound confident enough with you in the At The Races stable preview, which you can read on the Royal Ascot site. Uh, ascot.attheraces.com I believe, sorry lads I forgot that wrong but it's go to attheraces.com you'll see the Royal Ascot mega site there and uh, Kevin Stable tour with Aidan O'Brien he sounded reasonably confident he would run well this is his ideal trip he's a stupid I think you're reading what you want to read there in well, terms the, well, of the, taking confidence from it well the problem <laughs> is I can't take confidence from it because 6-1 to one is mad it's absolutely ludicrous it's just oh, I don't know what to say about that um, I, I think you've sold me on Batash really uh, he's had a, his second wind operation as well um, this is really a race to sit back and just watch and enjoy from from my perspective but maybe peter t fornatel will be getting those dollars out and getting absolutely stuck in i'll be betting i'll be betting oh, yes. for sure come yeah. on i'm a big fan of this horse imprimis i was actually oh, yeah. on sky sports racing the the night of the race two back which was ultra impressive at Gulfstream, running against a couple of real Gulfstream park horses for courses and just walking them just making them look average and coming up with an absolutely huge speed figure and then follows that up in the with the run in the shaker town that you might say, oh, well, the, the bound for nowhere pace set it up for Imprimis. I suppose that's true, but you have to remember that Imprimis went to his knees at the start there, yeah, and he fell. also was one of the only horses to be making up ground on dirt or turf that day, really. It was a very impressive run. This horse, he's very classy, and I think he's been working very well. And I know how good the ones at the top of the market are, and I'm not going to just bet on the nose here. But this is a situation where I'll be betting imprimis each way at these current numbers, and I'll also be messing around in uh, in the forecast. Just a little betting note for everybody listening: the tote pools this year are going to be commingled for the first time internationally. So if you're betting in the U.S., there's also going to be some of that Hong Kong money in the pool those pools are going to be stronger there could be weird and interesting things happening there i'm going to take a look in the u.s well it's not usa the international exacta market messing around with batash and and blue point and maybe even a little sergey and and keying infamous to have to be somewhere and hopefully he's going to run as well over there as he's run here and i really think he's going to be able to hang and i think the price is just too big right now and he beat and just to just to explain that peter to those that wouldn't be familiar with, with the concept of co-mingling, uh, that you, what you're basically saying is that the money that's bet in Hong Kong and America will now go into the same pool that uh, race scores at Ascot Racecourse would say will be betting into. That's exactly right, and the you know the takeout on the betting dollar is still high enough that you're not guaranteed value doing that as opposed to just trying to do a forecast in a traditional way. But I would investigate. I would take a look and see. There might be some opportunities, particularly when we get. Uh, well, I won't be on with you, but when you guys discuss the Prince of Wales, is that's a race you're going to definitely want to take a look at the tote market and see if anything strange happens with uh, money coming in from around the world. The problem with that is, and particularly with the rail strike that we're going to have, which means that a lot of people are going to sit back and, and watch this race on Sky Sports Racing, and of course international viewers as well. If you're international, it's fine. There's a number of sports books who are not taking tote bets anymore. Now, if you are a sports book and you're doing a tote bet, tweeters will give you a mention, but a lot of them have stopped it. 
and they're going with computer straight forecast money instead, which is unfortunate. But you can always find an account that will will do that for you as long as they'll let you bet. Um, I'm very glad that you mentioned Imperius. I thought he was very, very interesting, particularly the fact that he, as you said, almost fell at the start um, and he beat Bound for Nowhere. And that's pretty decent form. And also transitioning all-weather dirt form to Ascot, since it's been relayed, has has played the benefit in the past. And of course, he's got Frank Editori on board. The only thing is he's not a Wesley Warthorse. But aside from that... Uh, there's, there's a lot of things uh, to like about him uh, and you're talking about trifectas box exactas for international listeners who can do that UK and Irish listeners playing computer straight forecasts and tricast there's nothing wrong with doing that either it just means you won't have access to the amount of money that will be in the pool that the, the tote or that version would have um, but for you your top three so your, your trifecta Sergei Prokofiev Imperius Patash I, if I were to if I were to name him from a value point of view, it's impermiss for me. I I would put Batash in second and Blue Point third. But in terms of how I'll play the trifecta, I'll just be keying impermiss to be somewhere with all of the logical contenders. You can save so much money when you don't box and you just say, okay, it's going to be impermiss with those three in second or third, and then again in second or third, and then just sort of run impermiss through the slots where you're going to get paid if. Imprimis is on the board and one of the logical or two of the logicals fill out the other two slots. Does that make that I explain that well that, enough? That makes perfect sense to me. Good luck trying to get Peter T. Fornatel in front of a Sky Sports HD camera if that trifecta comes off because he will be <laughs> gone and uh, indulging in some pims, I should imagine, for the rest of the day. That's the King Stand. We'll move on to what is the feature race of the day, the St. James's Palace Stakes. Unfortunately, Magna Grecia is out. To my surprise, Circus Maximus is in. My surprise being the fact that Kevin and I talked about the Derby just a few days ago and we're both of the opinion that yeah 12 furlongs maybe even going up in trip would be just be interesting drops back to eight furlongs and supplement it hmm uh, we'll have to see how this one plays out uh, the betting on at the races right now sees the Irish 2000 guineas winner who obviously had form with the uh, the leading juveniles including two darn hot last year being your six to four seven to four favorite Phoenix of Spain two darn hot is a best price seven to two generally around threes King of Comedy, 5-1 to one and 6-1. to one. Scaradu, 10s, and Circus Maximus in there at a top price of 14-1. to one. So, Kev, you can lead the way again for us. Uh, we're not going to get the, the rematch of the Irish and English 2000 Guineas winners, but we do have Tudarn Hot lining up against Phoenix of Spain. That was his seasonal reappearance. He's absolutely buried him. Is it a case that over the winter, Phoenix of Spain has developed into being a top-class three, three-year-old cult and that your concern, which you highlighted numerous times over the winter and leading up to the flat season on the podcast, was that there was a risk that Too Darn Hot would not train on because he had done something that Dubawis don't do. He was a precocious juvenile, like Quarto. We haven't seen him yet either. So is it a case of that everything's now caught up with too darn hot and he's a horse to take on or is there a doubt in your mind that phoenix of spain is just too short yeah the former is probably the way i'm leaning um we're too darn hot you know things haven't gone right for him this season to be fair you know he's missed he's missed the green and he's missed the guineas he's run over the wrong trip and the dante well, in my opinion the wrong trip he's run very well but he's ultimately beaten by telecaster and they backed him up nine days later and he had a flu jab in between dante and the guineas um, John Goslin revealed because I'd imagine they got caught out by the, the flu jab regulations in Ireland and they had to give him one ASAP after York to, to be allowed to run at the Curra. Um so that's not ideal and you know backing up nine days and travelling for the first time not ideal and he's he's gone and run well but he's just a, a still a fair way below his juvenile form and look you can make the case based, based on what I've just said that you have to give him another chance uh, to show that he, he's still as good as he was as a juvenile. But I think at the minute, um, the indications are that he hasn't progressed as a horse needs to from two to three to maintain, to, to keep up with the with the, with the the weight for age scale, if you will, uh, to maintain the same sort of level of form he was showing at the back end of his two-year-old year um, as a three-year-old. So jury is very much out for me, whereas Phoenix, Phoenix of Spain, to be fair to him, having finished behind to Darren Hot and Magna Grisha as a two-year-old. Um, he's a big scopey colt. 
um, that would have always had the potential to improve from two to three, but he improved notably, it seems, based on the Curra, um, and as well as what was likely to have been physical improvement. I think tactically, they made a crucial change, which really seemed to have a positive effect. They rode him much more forward. He, he mm. made the running at the Curra, having, you know, the day he was beaten behind second to Magna Grecia, Doncaster, he was ridden very patiently. So it was a completely contrasting ride and it seemed to suit him really well. One proviso I would put out there is that um, that day at the Curra, five of the seven winners either made the running or sat in close second. Um, there seemed to be a, a very common view up there that weekend that there seemed to be a pace bias that favoured those that were up there so that's just something to consider but oh, that's the only stone you can throw at that performance he was very emphatic in how he did it he was very strong inside the final furlong and um, yeah bar a potential pace bias that that was very it looked very much fair and square uh, one what have you to ask God one thing you'd say is he won't have the element of surprise uh, on, in his favour this time it's not that it's, to be fair it's not like he dictated that he was allowed to get away with dictating a steady pace at the Curra that, that just wasn't the case but um, he might just he, he couldn't expect an, an uncontested time of it up in the front end this time I suspect I suspect he'll have some company up there um, and he should be fine you know you should, I don't think he, he needs to lead um, just a good positive ride would uh, show him the best effect, I think. And look, if you, if you put an old gun to me head, he's the one I'd favour out of the front two. I was hoping Sandinato would run here. He hasn't been uh, left in the race. He's probably going to go for the jersey later in the week. Um, I don't really like King of Comedy. Um, I think he there's loads of ability in there, but I'd say he's quirky enough. And the big occasion uh, of Royal Ascot would be just a question mark for me. How well will he cope with it? Um, at this relatively early stage of his career, I um, couldn't have Circus Maximus back at a mile myself. Um, and yeah, that's largely it. That's largely it. You, you, uh, you know, you can go fishy, fishy at bigger prices if you want. You can you can make a case for advertise at um, at a mad price if you want to forgive his seasonal reappearance based on his two year old form. You can give him a shout, um, but probably not not enough for me. Um, so it haven't talked for half an hour and my conclusion is kind of a marginal preference for Phoenix of Spain with no great confidence which isn't any great help to anyone is it? Well maybe maybe people will just some of our listeners will just stick him in their lucky 31 or the Kevin Blake famous lucky 69 and hope for the best we'll, we'll have to wait and see um, I think you make some very interesting points King of Comedies coming into this race Peter on the back of the same prep as without parole uh, and it does not look to be as weak a race as it was for without parole last season they're obviously two very very different horses um i i find it difficult to get overly excited about this race but the one thing i would say is that phoenix is spain and that's the worry that i have and i'm glad kevin mentioned it is the potential pace bias that he may have got away with that day and aiden o'brien i can only imagine the circus maximus is in here just to bring it back in very briefly kevin because they don't have anything else like never know more isn't running either the Irish 2000 guineas winner who might have stepped forward so that's the only logical conclusion I can come to is that they've supplemented them because there's nothing else yeah they look light they look light um, and you're, you're probably spot on there um, I, I just wondered you know there, there might have been a better candidate in amongst them but um, they've gone with Circus Maximus and, and sure look we'll see how he goes um, like I say w- wouldn't be for me now but time will tell yeah I, would go, I couldn't have um Cue him winning by five lengths and setting a course record. So <laughs> after after you deserting him, oh, that'd be yeah, so wouldn't funny. it be hilarious? In fairness, it'd be just the kind of thing that would happen as well. Niarcos <laughs> horse Aiden O'Brien up to my eyeballs in him for the Derby, goes and wins. Uh, oh God! You 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 will back him though. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, you'll, you'll have something on him. No, he'll be in a forecast or something like that. He might <laughs> he might have a pace bias. I I couldn't back him. Um, is this all about Phoenix to Spain for you, Peter, or are you genuinely excited about the prospect of Too Darn Hot on his third run this season, or is he a busted flush as well? I think Too Darn Hot has excuses, and I, I what I'm hoping here is that uh, Kevin's view, which may obviously well be correct, but just th- that type of narrative really takes hold, and the world just sort of accepts that the horse hasn't trained on, or at least thinks that's the case. But you know, when you go back and you look at the sectionals in the Dante, Kevin also mentioned the p- the possible distance issue there. I don't think it was really anything wrong with the run. 
And I think there might be some value in going against the narrative based on what this horse has shown. And you can look at the early season troubles either way. You can look at them as, oh, well, you know, he hasn't trained on. Or you could say he's got nowhere to go but up and it's sort of a sneaky good run last time. So I'm I'm definitely not giving up on too darn hot. I have no issue with Phoenix of Spain other than price. And another one that Kevin does not fancy who I'm I'm pretty keen on or at least keen to see what happens next is King of Comedy, who just as you mentioned, Emmett gives me sort of deja vu when thinking about the race last year with without parole and those and the efforts in the case of King of Comedy are backed up by the clock. And it's uh, one of my favorite Robert De Niro performances of all time. So you got that angle <laughs> there as well. Do your Robert De Niro. Do it. To make a recording. <laughs> um, I, I would tentatively go with King of Comedy tentatively uh, at the five to one if he goes any shorter then he's gone um, but it, it is a kind of race that I think Kevin makes a really interesting point maybe Phoenix Spain took them by surprise maybe he is now the superstar but it'll be an interesting race but it's not as interesting race as I initially thought that it would be um, we have the traditional Ryan Moore booked for Willie Mullins alert in the big handicap the Ascot stakes at five o'clock two miles four furlongs hold on to your hat Peter they're racing over two miles and four furlongs. NBC's going to be blowing up. To be fair, Peter actually understands staying races and is quite interested in them, including jumps races, which he's talked about on the podcast before. But a lot of Americans have their head blown off when they see this race, which again is going to be on NBC, uh, which is fantastic. And hopefully Nick is back and fully fit for that. Uh, so he heads the betting, unsurprisingly. We've got Mengli Khan as a very rare runner that we talked about on Tuesday's podcast for Gigginstown, their first since 2013. Cool, blimey, mate! Uh, David Probert rides for Sue Gardner, Cor de Leon for Alan King, and um, yeah, you can keep on going through it. Look, this is all about National Hunt Trainers, Kevin, isn't it? For some reason, they have developed, maybe it's the fact that they're conditioned to stay, they're the ones who dominate this race, so who are you interested in in your shortlist for the big handicap? Um, yeah, like it, it's not one that's grabbed me as, as much as it often does now, this race. Um, I wouldn't be too keen on either of Willie's, to be honest, which is, you know, normally Willie is the way to go uh, with these thing. Handicaps, his recent record in them is exceptional. Um, build me up on her cup. You know, I, I had quite high hopes for her over hurdles last season, and it didn't really happen for her. Um, she won her, like she, she won her maiden hurdle in good enough style, but just didn't really go forward after that. Um, and her last runs have just been flat out disappointing. Her last few, um, she is, has a handicap mark of 91 here based on kind of three runs in, in the stakes company um, last season when she was trained by Mick Shannon. Um, you know, she was a good bumper mare, but they, they gave her a go and like listed in group three company. And, uh, and she, she's run well, but, you know, it's a handicap. And, you know, if you're going to win, you have to be off a lower rate, a, a rating that underestimates your ability and, uh, she was trying her best in those in those in that stakes company, and you know I think if you're if you're siding with her at the type of price she is, you're you're doing so in the hope that Willie Mullins has found a, a pulled a chunk of improvement out of her. And maybe he has, but based on the, the the level of that platform, she didn't really come up to it over hurdles. Um, so it just isn't one that I'd be I'd be dancing about, and she doesn't really strike me as a real you know a real dour stare you know i thought she was going to be a speed horse over hurdles and you know if you're going to be effective over two mile four in the flat you know you want you certainly want to be effective over two mile four over hurdles if not further and um that didn't really look like the way she was shaping to me so all in all look very powerful connections you'd be a fool to underestimate them but um at that type of price i'd be i'd be happy to walk away from her uh, and Nessam Dormo, I, I would be Nessam Dormo. Sorry, I would be, I'd be very frightened about the trip for him. Um, he hasn't shaped like the strongest of stairs over two miles on the flat in the past, and um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be worried about him getting home. Okay, so you're slamming those horses. Then build me up, Buttercup is the shortest four to one, by the way. Jesus Christ. Um, so how, what's what's her biggest price? Her biggest, her biggest price with one firm, and I'll name them. William Hill goes seven to one. <laughs> one firm four to one. she is oh then she is then four to one nine to two and six to one Christ <sighs> almighty that's just ridiculous anything else Kevin Blake on this list for you 
Um, no, like uh, to be honest, uh, I just uh, I find myself throwing stones at the front of the market. I'll have a deeper dive now once we get the declarations out. Because I, I will be going fishy, fishy for something at a big price here, but um, because I don't really like the front of the market, mainly can would would be the one out of the Irish ones at the top end of the market that I'd give uh, probably most of a chance to. Um, you know, he proved himself over two and a half miles over fences this year. Uh, you know, he's very unexposed uh, over staying trips on the flat. You know, I think the furthest he went was uh, a mile four back when Hugo Palmer had him. And he does seem to stay well. You know, he, he looked quite a free goer in the early stages of his jump career, but he, he has settled down a bit and, you know, he's gone and performed at, at, at big meetings and big occasions like Cheltenham Festival a couple of times now. So um, there's no fears about, you know, the occasion of Ascot firing him up or anything like that. So um, if, and look, Gordon has a great record of Royal Ascot with a small number of runners. So you have to respect that too. So of the front end of the market, he's the one I'd probably be keenest on, but uh, I suspect by the time we get to Tuesday, I'll I will, I'll be hoping to have pulled out something at, at a bigger price. I have no idea if he runs or not, but he is entered. Um, I would go with the old boy, ex Willie Mullins, Arctic Fire, just okay at a big <laughs> old price. Now I say this with a caveat: thirty threes is available, but it's only available with a few. And if he was to run, then I think Dennis Collins done a fine job with him. You know, one over fences last time, quite the prep, and uh, he'd be interesting. He'd be he he would be very very interesting. Um, Arctic Fire, I think, if he was to to come for this race, he didn't. Sorry, he won he won the Bed Victor race, a Kalani, uh, beating Persian Line last time out under Mark Gallagher. So look, he'd be interesting. He'll be number five on the list as things stand. So we'll see. He's a wild old price if he was, runs. To quote a great man, uh, Peter, your shortlist for the two mile, <laughs> the two mile four furlong Ascot Stakes. Well, now you're right that I'm not uh, opposed to to proper staying races, and I am interested in them. But if I'm being honest, my plan for this one was to write down everything uh, Kevin said and try to copy him when when I'm interviewed elsewhere about it because <laughs> it's 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 hard to get. I didn't see a lot to to get me too excited. I definitely understand the Mengli Khan case, and if pressed for a selection, I'd land there. But this is one. I think Kevin's idea is great about. Yeah, try to dive deeper in, wait till this field gets a little bit more established and probably go for a little bit more of a price. I, I have had my what my biggest Ascot score might have been in this race many moons ago. Oi, with oi. Ju- so I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely interested in doing a little bit more digging into the form, but at this point I decided to focus on the races where I thought I might be able to bring a little bit more to the party. Okay, well we'll bring you then to the last race, the five thirty five, the Wolverton Stakes, and we come back to the Barney Roy form. Zaki beating him first time up at Ascot. He's gone on to win at Epsom since on Derby Day. Uh, and he obviously heads the betting for the winning most trainer at Royal Ascot's from Michael Stout, John Gosden's Wickahisson, a massive upset when he got beaten on uh, All Weather Championships Day on Sky Sports Racing on Linkfield. He's in the lineup as well, second favourite. Uh, and Aidan O'Brien's got a couple in here as well. My eye is drawn, however, to Latrobe, uh, who, who is also entered in here for Joseph O'Brien. Is this his intended target, Kevin? Um, yeah, he's an intended runner. Um, escapes a penalty here. And look, his two runs this season have, be, have been grand, and uh, no better than grand. He needs to step up if he's going to win this. Um, stiff mile two should suit him, and um, yeah, look, I'd be, I'd be no more than hopeful now. I couldn't, I couldn't really fill anyone with confidence now. He needs to, he needs to get back to what he was doing in the the, the Irish Derby, I think, to, to give himself a real good chance. And I mean, he hasn't been at that level in his two starts thus far this season. Okay, anything sneaky there for you in your shortlist? Um, not a race though that would really engage me now, but Alarcam. I thought gave an indication last time that he's starting to put it together, um, having gone a little bit wayward in in the middle section of his career. Um, he he was quite impressive at Goodwood. I thought this is his trip now, and he's given himself a chance. And I think he might be able to, you know, belatedly fulfil the promise he showed in the early part of his career. And I'd I'd have him as the one to beat myself. Okay, that's Kevin's selection uh, for you, Pete. I'm a huge fan of Magic Wand in general, 
And I do feel like the last race is a little difficult to interpret with the, the pacemaker going off at such crazy guns. And I felt like she in behind just ran a little bit inefficiently when you look at the sectional times in the middle of the race. I think some will be disappointed that she didn't win. But I think there's more here. And I just think she's so tough and battle tested. Very curious to, to see what she can do and, and happy to put some money behind her as well. And we've seen her run four of her last three of her last four runs were stateside uh so you've seen her behind bricks and mortar who bolted up on sky sports racing the other night uh she's running maidan where aiden sources are are rarely ever right and, and then she was narrowly beaten last time out of Belmont. you're saying that, that that's a performance that people would have generally liked to have seen her go and and win she's getting in off a fairly light enough rating as well she's 108 uh compared to zaki's 113 and the market is reacting, but not nearly quickly enough. Like she's she's a decent price here. She's seven to one. That's square to me. I mean, just based on ability, I, I would love to hear uh, what you guys. I'm glad that you agree, Emmett, about the price being fair. Uh, I'd be curious to see how it develops as well. And uh, I think that she goes there with a chance. Yeah, I'd, I'd like the seven to one. Uh, right, let's get your best bets. So, and this can include trifectas, Peter T. Fonertel, if you would like. Best bets, day one, Royal Ascot, nice. Kevin Blake. Uh, just one or like a banker and big price? Your banker, you your like? each way selection. Let's go, let's go mad, Kev. Let's go absolutely stone bonkers. Everything. Give me everything you've got. Um, banker, Batash, uh, Bigger price, next best, Minoski in the Coventry, and uh, wild price special, Romanized in the Queen Anne. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, my friend Peter T. Fornital, your plays on day one. I'm sticking with most of my money going into that trifecta in the King's stand. I think Impermiss is going to be somewhere. I think the ones at the top of the market are logical to be in there with him. And that's my best bet from here. Okay, Fort Myers, King of Comedy. Arctic Fire, if he runs, and Magic Wand would have to be the nap on the day. That's day one. Day two, three, four, and five all to come. Peter T. Fornatel is back for day three with us uh, a little bit later on on At The Races and on your podcast app. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully, there's some golden nuggets of information in there for you, and enjoy it. 650 million homes around the world watching Royal Ascot. Hopefully, you enjoy the entire week. We'll talk to you again very, very soon on the Final Forum Podcasts. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without available for free on your iphone or android mobile visit at forward slash app for more details